Hello, real life family and friends. Uh, we are in a series on serving, and today I want to wrap up that, that series by doing a little bit of review where we've been and then talking a little bit more today about a new concept here. But uh, in terms of our serving, what we've been talking about is in, in the Hebrew, the original language of, of, the, of the Old Testament, the word serve uh, shares the same root letters with the word work and the word worship. And so the first week when we talked about serving, uh, I was just really trying to make a strong emphasis that these three words, service, uh, serving, work, and worship are intricately related together. And they're not just separate ideas, they're connected. And so uh, the first week we talked about when we serve and when we work, we're actually worshiping. And that's, that's why in Colossians 3, 23 to 24, Paul writes this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, work at it or serve or whatever you're doing, put everything into it as working for the Lord, not for human masters, because we know that we get a reward from him. We get eternal life through Jesus. And so our motivation is beyond uh, any personal gain here on earth because we've already gained eternity in heaven. And uh, he goes on to say, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So no matter what we're doing, whether we're serving in the church or we're serving other people or even we're working in our occupation and things that we do, whatever we do, the Bible says, have this holistic mindset that the breath that you are breathing right now is from God and by you know, giving it all you got and whatever God's placed before you today to do, you give it all you got. That's worship. That's serving. That's working. It's, it's all the same thing. Okay. And then uh, last week I talked about, well, that first week you also talked about how when we serve, it's our created purpose to serve. Uh, our DNA is in the image of God. We're created in the image of God to partner with God, to have this relationship with God, but to also partner with God in establishing his image on the earth. And it's an incredible privilege. And so the Bible really kind of paints this picture that we are both gardeners and we're guardians. That idea comes from Genesis 2.15, where the scriptures say, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to do two things, to work it and to take care of it. So to work it means to uh, serve it uh, as a gardener would, to be fruitful, to multiply, to make something of it. And so the idea is, what is our garden today? And what areas have God, God's placed you in to work it, to develop it, to invest in it, to cause fruitfulness to come? Uh, everything that we do is, is a space, an opportunity to garden the creation of God, to garden the image of God, to produce the image of God. But also says here to take care of it. And that word to take care of it is shamar in Hebrew, which means to watch, to protect, to guard, to keep, to keep. Uh, it's the same word that's used when uh, we give our, I give our blessing at the end of the message where um, may the Lord keep you. Right? It, may God watch over you. May he guard you. May he protect you. May he keep you. And so, so we're also guardians. We are, need to guard the areas that God has placed us in from evil. To guard it from the enemy uh, robbing and stealing and killing and destroying it or people or lives or opportunities around us. So we are both gardeners and guardians 
Uh, and so that's why we serve. We serve to, to develop and we serve to protect. It reminds me of the oath that police officers take, right? To serve and to protect. That's a very biblical, amazingly biblical statement or mission statement that uh, our, our police officers swear to, their oath. It's amazing. Okay, and then thirdly, last week we talked about how God has chosen to need us. It's just incredible. God has chosen to need me? What? <laughs> and God has chosen to need you. Um, he doesn't need us, but he's chosen to need us because he has decided to only accomplish his will on the earth through willing human vessels. And that's, that's how God relates to us in relationship. He is not a dictator. Uh, he's not a control freak. He is a God of love and his character and his nature itself draws us to himself and we become partners with God, establishing His kingdom on the earth through His Spirit moving through us. And so you are gifted by God, you are qualified by God, and you are special. You, when you impact people through God working through you, you are changing eternity. And that is one of the greatest things that, uh, that, that boggles my mind, is the greatest miracle of all time. is when God uses us to bring someone else to him and changes their life forever, literally changing their eternal destiny. It's just an amazing journey and privilege and adventure we get to live with God. And today, so let me summarize it by saying these three statements. When I serve, I'm worshiping God. When I serve, I'm fulfilling my purpose. And when I serve, I'm impacting eternity. And today I want to finish this series by talking about when I serve, I am being blessed. Jesus said this in uh, Acts 20, 35. Actually, it was a saying that Jesus taught his disciples. We don't see it in the Gospels, but we do see it in Acts uh, when Peter reminds, the, reminds us that this, this, this is one of the things that Jesus taught us. And he said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus taught it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we know in the kingdom of God, it always pays to do God's uh, to do life God's way, but, but it's always different. It's always opposite of the world's ways. You know, when we give, we actually receive. When we serve, we're blessed. And the Bible says, when we live according to God's ways, we have life. Everything seems to be different or almost opposite than what the world's ways would be. Um, but even though the kingdom principles are opposite of those of the world's, we know that when followed, God's ways add life to us, peace, joy, purpose, fulfillment, quality that the world's ways can never do, can never provide um, because God's ways are higher than our ways, right? And uh, his wisdom is wiser than our wisdom. So in Ezekiel chapter 33, uh, verse 14 to 16, there's a concept I want to share with you that is all over scripture. It's all over scripture. And God's talking and uh, he's having this conversation. He's He's speaking to the prophet Ezekiel, and God is saying this about repentance. He says, If I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, but then they turn away from their sin and do what is just and right. If they give back what they took and pledge for a loan, return what they have stolen, follow the decrees that give life and do no, and do no evil, that person will surely live. They will not die. None of the sins that person has committed will be remembered against them. They will 
uh, I'm sorry, they have done what is just and right. They will surely live. Now, in this phrase or in this sentence, Jesus said, or God is saying to Ezekiel, the decrees that give life. When you study the scriptures through and through, you'll see that the law of God, the ways of God, the decrees or commands of God are not to control us, uh, to boss us around, or to make our life miserable. All of the ways of God, the laws of God, the decrees of God actually give life to us. And so this is the concept. When we follow God's ways, we are blessed, whatever that is. When we follow Jesus, when we obey his word, when we follow his instructions and his teachings, we are blessed. We come alive. And so these laws are, you know, sometimes we call them laws of God. Really, it's the instructions of God that lead us to life. They don't burden us. They don't um, take away from us. They add life to us. And for the person who puts God's word into practice, their life blossoms. That's why Jesus says, I came that you might have life abundant, life to the full, life over the top. Jesus didn't come to give us a miserable life or even a religious life. He came to give us real life in him, in that relationship. And so serving itself isn't somehow an, a Christian obligation that burdens us, weighs us down. You know, oh, I got to go serve God. I got to do this because I got to pay God back. No, 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 no. Even in serving, Jesus says, when you serve, when you give, you are going to be blessed. It is like it's the uh, avenue that God uses to bless us. And I know that we know this, but our flesh sometimes fights against this idea, doesn't it? Our flesh sometimes is, is self-centered and lazy or just, you know, wants to, wants to be doing what we want to do. And sometimes we see serving as an obligation, but, but it is an incredible privilege and it is our purpose and it is our worship. And when we serve, we come alive. We are blessed. It is better to give than to receive. That's what Jesus says. Jesus said this in John chapter um, 5, verse 39 to 40. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. He's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees around him. But he says, these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I use this scripture verse often because I just love how Jesus is saying this. He's like, look, it's not about rules. It's not about the scriptures themselves, but these scriptures are actually pointing everybody to me and the life that you desire and the life that you need is found in relationship with me. And so he invites us to him. And as soon as we place our faith in Jesus, he tells us we are literally crossing over from death to life. Listen to his words in John chapter 5, verse 24. He says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. So when we as believers trust in Jesus, um, there's some incredible things that happen. First of all, we're born again into the family of God. Second of all, we are given a new identity in Christ. We are no longer our ego, our old self-centeredness. We have a new identity in Christ. And we're no longer bound by sin, but we're gripped by the Son of God. We're in His firm grip. We're not in the grip of sin anymore. We're in the grip of the Son. 
And we no longer live for ourselves, but we now live for the glory of God. Everything changes. Our motivation, our outlook, our perspective, our hearts, everything changes. We now belong to God and we now live for God. We don't live for ourselves. And death no longer has a final say with us because Jesus says, you have eternal life in me. Because we have eternal life, because we have this inheritance from God, the rest of our lives now, once we are a believer, is to serve God, is to serve His purposes on the earth, is to multiply His image, especially in people around us, because that is the, the, the will of God, that none would perish, that all would be saved, all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, be forgiven of their sins, place their trust in Him, and have eternal life with Him. God made all of us to know Him and to be with Him forever. And now we are His witnesses on the earth. That's why we serve. We serve because we worship God. We serve because God has saved us. We serve because we belong to Him, because it's our created purpose. And, and, and because as we do it, we're also blessed and our life comes alive. So now we serve God, we worship God because of what he's done for us and what he is doing in us and now what he's going to do through us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 to 20 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. So the Bible says we don't, we don't own ourselves anymore. We are not our own. You were bought at a price. We were bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So this is the truth of our situation. We now belong to God. And our breath belongs to God. Our days belong to God. Our time, our energy, everything that we have belongs to God. And, and here's how I want to say it. The calling of Jesus is to give up our earthly life to gain eternal life. That's the offer on the table. When you read the Gospels, when you see Jesus teaching uh, people and his disciples, this is the clear uh, offer on the table. Give up your earthly life so you can have eternal life in and through me. Don't live for yourself anymore. Live for me and you'll have eternity with me. This is how he says it in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 24 to 27. So then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Again, this is the opposite of how our flesh in this world thinks. We think that it's our job to preserve our life to protect our life, to make the most of my life, my time, my energy, you know, my opportunities. And Jesus says, well, I got a different deal for you. I want you to entrust all of that to me. I want you to lose your life. Give it to me. Give it to me. And I will give you eternal life. You give your earthly life back to me. Trust in me. Follow me. And uh, not only will you have eternal life, but Jesus will give you an abundant life right now a life of real quality, a life of real significance, a life that impacts eternity. Wow. Wow. He goes on to say in verse 26, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? 
if you get everything on planet earth in the, in the earthly realm during your lifetime, but you lose eternity, you lose your soul, is that a profit to you? Of course not. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What is their soul worth? Why would you sell your eternal soul for temporary, you know, things of this world? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. And so this is where serving comes into play in the Christian uh, psyche or in, in our outlook on life, is that we belong to God. God has saved us and redeemed us. We have entrusted our life to Him. Now we're invited into this adventurous partnership with God to change eternity by touching people's hearts through His Spirit in us, moving through us. This is the Christian life. This is who we are. And the family of God is built to need each other and to serve each other. So we, we actually need to be in this together. I need you. You need me. We need the body to come together. That's the church, right? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13 says, So Christ Jesus himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Jesus is the head of the church. He gave out gifts to all of us so that those gifts being used through us would build each other up until we come to maturity in Christ, until we come to the fullness of who He is in us, until we come fully alive. And for that to happen, we need each other. So we need what you have. I need what you have. I need you to give the gift that God has placed in you. And you need some stuff from me. And we need some stuff from other people. And that's the church. Each one of us has a part to contribute to the whole. Uh, Ephesians 4, 7 says, But to each one of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it, or as Jesus gave it. So it means that Jesus has given each and every one of us a grace, a gift, a contribution to make to the whole. We're all needed. We're all needed. And as we take care of God's business, God takes care of our business. This is how he said it in uh, Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 32 and 33. Jesus says, hey, don't worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Um, the pagans run after the, these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So we have earthly needs. We have bills to pay. We have you know, stuff to do, right, to survive. But Jesus makes it clear. He says, but this is what I want you to keep in mind. Don't chase after that stuff, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. What Jesus is saying is, I want you to do what I've called you to do. You do my business, and I'll take care of your business. And that's trust, and that's faithfulness, and that's, that's believing in Christ, throwing our life into his hands, and following the calling that God has for each and every one of us to put into practice the gifts and the, and the talents that God has blessed us with and to contribute those to the whole and not to withhold those things because we're chasing after everything else. So this is the challenge to us, 
is to fully trust in Christ and to serve his body, to serve his people, to do what he's called us to do and believing that God's also then going to take care of our needs at the same time. So this is why I want you to remember that Jesus says it is more blessed to give than to receive. To tie this series up on serving, I just want to take a few minutes to reflect on you know, how we serve in the real life family. And first of all, I just want to say thank you to everyone who is serving, who has served. You are a blessing. You have impacted many people's lives. We have so many people serving, so many people generous with their time, with their gifts, with their resources. I want to say thank you. And I also want to just pump you up and say, good job. Keep it up. It's making a difference. It's pleasing to God. You're doing what you're made to do. You're worshiping God. And I pray that you are feeling blessed because of what God is doing in you and through you. And so keep it going. Keep it up. And as a family, we're trying to establish a culture of excitement, uh, of excellence, and of faithfulness and fruitfulness to do what God's called us to do. And I just want to highlight those three qualities real quick that, that kind of encapsulates our heart of serving. First of all, we serve faithfully. We have a dream team. We have so many people uh, serving at Real Life, but we serve faithfully. And what that means is that in all the qualities of Scripture, faithfulness is like right at the top in God's list. You know, I read this last week, but listen to this verse again in Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. His master replied in this parable of the sheep and the goats. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And so faithfulness is a huge deal to God. You know, faithfulness to me is doing what God's called us to do. Doing what God has called you to do is being faithful. So what has God called you to do? What has God put on your heart? So go and do that until he tells you to do something different. You see, being faithful is knowing God's given me this gift, knowing God's giving me this passion, and he's calling me to do this. So you do it. That's being faithful, to serve God's purpose with your life. But also I think faithfulness is, is, uh, uh, is some nitty-gritty concepts too that we need to be uh, aware of. Faithfulness to me is following through on your commitments. Being a person of my word or your word is faithfulness. Being on time, being dependable, being consistent, doing the little things, being committed and dedicated. To me, all of those things kind of describe faithfulness. And when people can count on you, then you are a faithful person. So let's serve faithfully. Let's do what God's called us to do. Let's do it with consistency, dependability, uh, timeliness. Let's do it with all of our heart. That's faithfulness. May people always be able to depend on you. May you be a faithful servant of God's purposes on the earth. The second one is we serve with passion. As I've mentioned already, Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, do it with everything you got, with all your heart, right? There needs to be passion and enthusiasm for doing what God's called us to do. This is our very purpose. This is what brings life to people. And uh, the word enthusiasm, by the way, in Greek means to be in God or filled with God. That's what enthusiasm really is. In theos, in God, filled with God. 
And so when we, we serve, we want to serve with passion, with enthusiasm, because our passion comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And there is a God work that, that is going to be done. There are some amazing things that God wants to do in and through us. And so we want to be enthusiastic. We want to be excited. We want to give it all we got. Enthusiasm is contagious, and it just brings joy and excitement to everything that we do. So when we serve, we're serving faithfully, and we're also serving with passion. It matters what we do. It changes people's lives. So we, we should be enthusiastic about all that we are doing. And thirdly, we serve with excellence. And we've talked about this word a lot in the past. I just want to bring out a different... Uh, curve to it. In John chapter 2 verse 10, John lists seven different miracles or signs that Jesus is the Messiah. And his first sign was at a wedding in Cana. And they ran out of wine and uh, Jesus' mother was there and turned to him and said, hey, you know, I need you to take care of this problem. And basically he's like, well, it's not my time yet. But he did, you know, he did it because his mother asked him to. And what he did is he had these servants fill all these uh, jars with water and then the, the master of the ceremonies came over to test it. The servants gave him some. He didn't know that Jesus filled him with water. He tasted it. And this is what this guy said in John 2.10. He says, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. I just love this. <laughs> Jesus did this miracle, and it was the best wine uh, that this headmaster had tasted. He was astonished. He, he literally was like, wow, wow, you saved the best to last. Jesus didn't just meet the need. He went like above and beyond to, to the wow. And I've always felt like we as Christians and here at Real Life, when we serve and we do things to, to, to help other people, we want people to say, wow. We want people to say, wow, when they see our, our facilities. Wow, when they experience our worship. Wow, when they see our children's ministry. Wow, when they're greeted at the door. Wow, when they have a, a dinner given to them or we're serving their needs or we're helping them out. We want them to be astonished. We want them to see that we care and that God, uh, God has blessed us and we are his blessing, right? And so with, with excellence, you see, Excellence, because we believe everything we do is worship. Excellence is our motivation because we're worshiping God. But excellence not only honors God, but it does inspire people. And uh, we want to inspire people to be alive in Him. And so when you are serving, serve faithfully, serve with passion, and serve with um, you know, with that excellence so that it brings inspiration to people but honors God and it puts wow in people's lips. So as I close today's message, I just want to give you a couple of challenges. First of all, I believe it's time to reconnect and re-engage. You know, during the last couple of years, we've all witnessed and experienced unprecedented social withdrawal or pullback. Some of it was mandated at times, Others of, uh, others of us made choices to protect ourselves, our families, and that's all understandable. It's been crazy. But, but as a large part, it has really affected the quality of people's lives. Most of us has experienced some level of disconnection, loneliness, uh, and some of those things have led to depression. Um, 
and just other mental health issues because we need each other. We need relationships. So as a pastor, I just want to reach out to you today. Say, it's time to reconnect. It's time to re-engage. In October 9th, we're going to start a series called Connect. And it's going to be about prayer, six-week series on prayer. And I'm asking all of us to reconnect with God in prayer and reconnect with one another. So we're going to be starting life groups uh, the week of October 9th. We're going to have these life groups available. We're inviting people to connect with a life group once a week to meet outside of the Sunday morning experience, outside of the message, and talk about God and pray together and learn how to connect with God and also enjoy connecting with one another so we can be healthier and whole. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 to 10 says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. I want to challenge you to sow intentionally into things that please the Spirit. To to not just sow into your flesh, it doesn't do you any good, it doesn't reap any benefits to you. But to intentionally say to yourself, I am going to start investing myself into things that please the Spirit, to serving God, to connecting with people, to loving people. I am going to give myself. I'm going to invest myself. I'm going to sow into what pleases the Spirit. And we will reap life. Remember, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And as we serve, we come alive. The scriptures go on to say, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So I want to encourage you to do good. Number one, I got two challenges for you. Number one, find a place to serve. Do good to the family. Invest your time and energy into doing good to others in the real life family, to those around you. Let's build each other up by playing our part. So number one, find a place to serve, okay? But number two, join a life group. Invest relationally into other people. We need each other. I need what you have. You need what I have. We need what others have. And we need each other, and it's time to reconnect. So during this series, I hope that you can find a group to connect with um, and that it begins to enrich your relationship with God and it enriches your relationships with one another. So as I close this message, I want to give you an invitation to begin a relationship with Jesus. As I mentioned before earlier in this message, that Jesus offers us this incredible deal. He says, trust your life with me here on earth. Trust your earthly life to me, and I will give you eternal life. There is no other Savior except Jesus Christ, who came, died, bled, shed his blood, gave his life so that we could be redeemed from our sin and restored to God. And the Bible says, whoever calls on him, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved, forgiven, born again, name written in the Lamb's book of life, and have eternal life. Jesus himself said, when you believe me in the one who sent me and you trust in me, you are crossing over from death to life. If you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me right now if that's your desire. Jesus, today I trust in you. I give my earthly life to you 
and I exchange it for eternal life with you. Thank you for dying for me and saving me and forgiving me. And now I am the temple of your spirit. May you fill me with your spirit and change me from the inside out so I can fulfill the purpose that you have had for me all along. I trust in you. I pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you take out my challenges to find a place to serve and to connect in a life group. Uh, and may you continue to grow and prosper in all that God has for you to do. Let me close us with our blessing. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in his name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.